And now, here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast. Sponsored by Audit. Welcome to the Elevating IT Podcast. My name is Mike Brooks. I'm your host. And today I'm joined by Mike Schmidtman. I'm really excited for this. I love bringing on guests to the show. We've had some amazing guests, but what I love most is bringing on guests who are sales experts. And Mike is is that times 12 here. Uh, Mike has, I'm going to read a quick bio, Mike, and then I'm going to ask you to fill in the details here. Mike has led information technology sales teams for over 20 years founded and built a $30 million telecommunications business from scratch and now works with IT solution providers across America and on sales recruiting, new business development, and profit growth. For the last 10 years, Mike's produced an, the award-winning Transformers webinar. That's trans, the number four, M-E-R-S, Transformers, series on IT sales and management. He contributes content over on IT channel publications and is a frequent public speaker and business and sales topic on business and sales topics. He lives in on a farm in Northern Virginia with his family and assorted horses, alpacas, goats, and dogs. And Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, you live, um, I don't know how many miles it is, but you probably know where Winchester, Virginia is. Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. It's, uh, it, it looks like it's close, but that you know, I can't tell from the map. Uh, my brother-in-law lives there, so I go down there all the time. So we'll have to uh, we'll have That's to great. meet meet sometime in person. So, Mike, fill in some blanks for me if I missed anything uh, with with my introduction of you here. No, no, you didn't, Mike. Um, uh, but uh, thanks for having me here, and, and let's let's talk about why I'm here. Uh, you're here to help partners grow their business. And that's kind of what I do too. Um, I worked, <laughs> I worked for maybe 20 years for other people and other companies until I realized I don't take direction well. So now uh, I'm a sole practitioner. I work for myself, but I do what I love best, which is helping companies realize their potential. And what I see again and again and again is that we, we all work at a tiny fraction of our capability. And the reason I say that is I can see people in similar markets, selling similar services, and there's a huge difference in their effectiveness. And so some people are just getting by. Some people are, you might say, having a, making a good living. And then there are people who are just killing it right now. Uh, they're, they're like Scrooge McDuck diving into piles of gold coins. Uh, it's that kind of business. It's, and some people are doing incredibly well right now. And what's the difference? Is it work ethic? Is it skill? Is it knowledge? Is it what? And that, that's the key that I'm always trying to unlock. And so when I work with people, uh, just like your partners themselves, they're looking for the key. What, what can we do to grow our business? What can we do to realize that we're seeing, Mike, that the top end really has no limit at all. I mean, they're, uh, <laughs> uh, I just got off the phone that this maybe two hours ago with a, a guy out in Denver, and he doesn't he can't onboard all the business he's getting right now. And there are, I'm not saying a lot of partners are like that, but this is a great time to be in the IT business. It's, it's booming right now. It really is. You know, all the reports that we hear uh, internally from, from folks who are in the know in the channel, you're, you're just basically agreeing with what, what we're hearing out there from, from a lot of the industry experts that this is like the best time to be in, in IT. Everybody gets it. Your, your clients no longer have to be talked into 
why they need cybersecurity. So, you know, it's, it's just a great time, mm -hmm. but it is well, kind of like as but, Charles Dickens said, though, the best of times, it's the worst of times. It's not, it's not great for everybody. It's great for people who are right. ready to take advantage of the market conditions and you're right. So good. Yeah. And here's the thing is if you can't sell, <laughs> you're not going to reap the benefits and that's the, that's the deal. You know, it's not, um, it's it's a great time, but you you know if you're running an IT department uh, company, you're your own IT company. A lot of IT client companies out there are their own sales force, right? They're they don't have a sales team. They're doing it. It's the owner who comes in. They're usually very technical. They know their business, but they don't know how to sell, and they admittedly don't know how to sell. The it's almost alarming. How many MSPs will tell me, you know, come to us and they say, I suck at selling. I can't sell. I don't know how to need help. And uh, if you can't do it. You, well, they're, they're successful, Mike, to a point. I think Paul Dipple at Service Leadership says most MSPs will get to 1 million, uh, but only 10% get above 2 million. And of course, I'm, I'm kind of more interested than people who are trying to get above 10 million or 50 million or 100 million. But the point is, there are certain points that people kind of hit a ceiling. And what causes that? So the owner-led sales, let's talk about that first, because that's probably the most common. And the reason that they get to a million so easily is because they're good at what they do. Uh, they're hardworking. They know their business. Customers like them. And, and they grow by word of mouth and just they grow organically. The problem is once you get to a certain point, and that point's usually about two million, um, there's only so much word of mouth will get you uh, as a yeah. business. And, but the reason they're successful, it, it's a, it's a business sale. I mean, it is really not a technical sale. It's a, it's a business sale. And because they're owner led, they understand, they understand payroll and profit, profit loss and cost of goods and taxes and compliance. They get that so they can relate to their customers. Whereas a lot of salespeople can't, they've never really run a company, had to meet payroll. Yeah, I, I, I say my, my MBA came uh, when, I, when I got out of college, Mike, uh, my brother and I bought a bar up in Maine. And so I call, <laughs> I call that my MBA of sales. But, but I learned that my MBA of, of, of business was running a bar and making payroll, um, taxes, compliance, marketing, everything. You, you learn it right there. But that's why the, the owners do so well. But you're right. They reach a point where they can't go. So what do we have to do to get them the next step? And that's where I kind of come in is how do we get a bunch of mini me's in a company? So you get the owner who knows business, can convey it, is trustworthy. How do we get people to deliver that same message? And then that's the next step. And then once you get to maybe 10 million, now you've got a new set of problems. And then you go to 20, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, kind of coming back to the premise of your session today, how do we make 2022 the best year ever? And I, I really feel... One, we have to stop kind of staring at our navel and saying, well, this is times are tough and there's competition and <laughs> et cetera. No, it's great. The mindset has to be, this is, this is the best time ever to be in IT sales and recognize that. And if you're not getting your big share, then you can do something about that. And what you can do is get better at what you do and realize that potential. And so some People are happy with say say thirty forty thousand monthly recurring revenue a year. Um, I know people doing a hundred. I know people doing two hundred thousand numbers that were unthinkable years ago. How do they do it? Um, they're people just like you and me, Mike. Um, but but they 
so anyway, there's certain things, but we, we can kind of go into that if you want. But what does it take for you to become that kind of person with that kind of results and that kind of income? Yeah. Driving sales is, is really, really important. And there's some common, you know, we talked about this and there's like three common problems that you had shared with me. And, and I thought those were great talking points to kind of um, launch off of. Right. Um, uh, what I see again and again, Mike, uh, you might say the, the three big ones is one is uh, people don't qualify uh, an opportunity well enough. In other words, think of a, a dartboard and you've got the bullseye in the middle. That's your ideal perfect client, the right size, the right level of complexity. Uh, then you've got the the next ring, which is maybe not quite your ideal client. They're either big, too big or too small, or they're needy or whatever. And then you go in the outside rings. So the unsuccessful people spend a lot of time on the outside rings, you might say. Uh, they, they chase bad business, uh, what some people call chasing garbage trucks. Uh, even if you get it, you don't want it. They're bad customers. So the number one is you qualify it and make sure, are they your target size, you know, do they interact well with you? Do they let you do your job? Do they trust you? Are they good to work with? That's number one. Number two, uh, are you differentiating yourself from everybody else? There are thousands of MSPs and all somebody has to do is just to Google and they're going to get 10 in every marketplace or more. Uh, and then now with, you know, with cloud, you can, you can do it remotely. You could be getting somebody from California if you're near New York or, you know, or Calgary or Singapore, who knows? So the point is you have a lot more competition and if you don't differentiate yourself from other people, uh, you'll get lost in the shuffle quickly. And what, I, I do what I, I call uh, trying to put yourself in the Goldilocks zone. The Goldilocks zone is you're not too big, you're not too small, you're just right. So if you have your right target client and you're in the Goldilocks zone, you're the perfect fit for them. So you have to differentiate yourself from the people who are bigger and more bureaucratic and the people who are smaller Maybe two guys in a truck who don't have the tools, don't have the monitoring, don't have the resources, don't have the expertise. So you position yourself as the ideal one. And then you have to do really dig in and understand um, the customer needs and care abouts. And that's where your tool is so helpful. I'll give you an example. I work with a client in uh, Florida. And the first thing I asked for is I said, can I see a copy of your proposal? And it was a beautiful gorgeous proposal, 60 pages, color, charts, graphs, everything. There was nothing about that proposal that said anything about the customer at all. It was all about how wonderful they are. <laughs> I said, you're just like beating your chest like a gorilla about how wonderful you are. There's nothing about the customer in here. I said, you need to make your proposal customer centric. And to be able to, I said, what's the difference between this proposal that you send to this person and somebody else? He says, the only thing we change is the price. It's the same 60 page proposal everybody gets. I said, no, you need to make it about the customer, not about you. And so the only way to do that is to understand uh, the customers as well. So those are the, uh, I think the big three, do you qualify? Do you differentiate? Do you really understand customer needs at a deep level to that point? So then as a doctor, you know, the proper diagnosis is half the cure. Once you understand at a deep level what, what, how the customer is wired and what they do, now you can make a presentation and make a difference. And I'll just say this one customer I work with, in a way that the pandemic was a blessing uh, because once the pandemic hit, everything stopped. And they, they 
had like no appointments for weeks <laughs> and not much a sales guy like me can do. If you, if you can't talk to a customer, not much I can do to help you. So I said, let's double down and train and let's go into, and let's work on our core skills. Let's use this time to our advantage to get better. And so every day we would do role plays and training, et cetera, et cetera, on the basics of sales and building and, and differentiating and all these things. And that's where your tool came in. And I'm just going to give a shout out to the tool that you have because it's amazing. One of the things that, um, Mike, that, that salespeople don't do nearly as well as they should, they don't make a compelling presentation when they're talking to a customer. So one, as we mentioned, you've got to, you've got to demonstrate to them that you understand their business at a core level. You get who they are. But secondly, you have to explain your differentiation to them in a way that they understand. And most salespeople uh, do, again, what I call the big three. Like we get the best product, we get the best price, we get the best people. Boom, boom, boom. The problem is everybody says the same thing. So this customer talks to five MSPs and five people say, I've got the best product, we got the best people, we got the best uh, prices. And they all sound alike. How do you differentiate yourself? Well, every study of communication has demonstrated without exception that the best way to be memorable is to say something, show a visual along with it together. Boom, simple as that. And your tool is perfect for that because it's visual. Um, it shows step-by-step. Step. It demonstrates that you understand who they are because you can't complete this audit without having probed at a very deep level who the customer is, what they care about, what the status is. You get the, the red, green, uh, orange, or yellow um, all set up. And then talking point again and again. And I wish, Mike, I could get more salespeople to give a visual presentation like this, but the tool you have works great. So we implemented it. This became a part of every presentation. So every customer got this once we'd done the discovery and their close rate went uh, beforehand in 2018, 2019, their close rate was about 20%. So out of five proposals, they'd win one. Wow. Now their proposal rate, in fact, uh, the owner just texted me, you know, a big thumbs up. They had their best year ever already. Uh, they're winning 60% of their proposals, 60%. And why is that? Because they, they, they have a, a, a process. They execute it step, 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 step. And your tool, and again, you asked, you did not ask me to say this. I'm doing this because I really deep down believe it's a great selling tool. And if you embrace it and use it, It'll, it'll make a dramatic impact on your close rates and your customer will understand what makes you different, what makes you better. And it's a, it's a whole better experience uh, top to bottom. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I, I didn't expect you to do that. And I, I, I'm not going to stop you, of course. But, uh, yeah. You know, just uh, quite frankly, by doing that presentation like that, you are you are different than every you have differentiated yourself because unfortunately most uh technology folks come in with with either no presentation at all they present right. off the quote or they right. use a canned proposal tool and you know we're not a proposal tool right we're a present we're a sales presentation tool there's a difference like those proposals you know um i don't want to name any any they're not really our competitors but there's there's proposal tools out there that you generate and they're just they're it's not really what we are, you know, and you nailed it. Mm -hmm. You're giving me great talking points, 
here. Mm -hmm. This is great coaching for me because well, uh, that's, you know, that's the essence of sales. It's not what you do. It's what the customer gets. And it's perceptions reality. If it, they understand these people understand who I am, they understand what I need. They understand how to get me there. Uh, they're looking, I mean, they've got a business to run. And if you can, if you can take this off their plate and say, look, let us handle your IT. <laughs> We're going to do it better, faster, easier than you can. You focus on growing your business and we're business people too, but it's, it's a right. great kind of synergy that way. But the main point is there's so much more available to the people on this call than they're getting now. I mean, if this company in Florida can triple their, triple the close rate off a pretty good baseline and their average sale was maybe 2,2500 MRR per sale. So tripling it you know, doubles, triples your sales in a year. What would that mean to your company? If you could double or triple on the same number of prospects, you don't have to increase your marketing. You, to, <laughs> you just have to do a better job of, of reeling, the, reeling them in and you do it. And I think the customers are better customers too. Um, yeah, I think, absolutely. You know, the, if, if you've done your selling right, your onboarding is half done. Customers have good expectations. They're not expecting something from you you can't deliver. Um, and you're going to have a happier customer with longer retention. Can you talk about the the... Their, you know, you said their close rate was at 20% and it went to 60%. That's amazing. Now, let's talk about that a little bit because there's there's different kinds of close rates, right? Like if you have, if you're the lowest priced guy, you're mm -hmm. probably going to have a higher close rate. If you're getting tons and tons of referrals, you're probably going to get higher close rates. So what what do you see are averages or, or mm -hmm. things that, you know, how do you skew how do you tell the difference between somebody who's getting a high close rate? That's great. Somebody that's getting a, you know, cause somebody may look at that, go, Oh, 60%. I close a hundred percent, but maybe they only right. go on one sales call a month and it's a, ref a hot referral. Um, there's a friend of mine in the sales business named Gil Cargill. And maybe some of you have seen Gil at, at conferences. He's an old IBM guy. <laughs> I met him maybe 30 years ago and he's saying, he's saying the same things now he was 30 years ago, but he's, he had a great, he's got great one-liners. And one of his one-liners is if you're closing hundred percent of your proposals, you're not a salesperson, you're an order taker. It's great. Great. And so that's so true. It, and I, I do think there's a Goldilocks zone for sales too, Mike. And that Goldilocks zone I think is, should be about in the 40% range. So I really do think 60% is too high. Why do I, why would I say that? Why wouldn't I want it to be hundred percent? Well, hundred percent, you're either leaving money on the table, you're selling for too low, or you're not getting out of your comfort zone. And if you're not stretching yourself, so uh, to answer your question, um, I actually had a talk with some Salesforce people one time. And if, if anybody on earth knows what close rates are, Salesforce does, because they've got this metadata from you know millions of companies putting it in. <laughs> and they know when the opportunities go in, they know when they close, and they know if it's closed out one or closed out lost or no decision. But they said, I can't give you that information. Uh, I was dying. He knew it. He just couldn't share it. Uh, but if I had, if I had to guess, um, I would say in the MSP world, I think the close rates are probably about 20%. That's probably about. Now, that doesn't mean you lose four out of five. I think you win one, you maybe lose one or two, and then a couple of people don't do anything. And so that's kind of it. There's, there's a lot of no decisions out there. And so one of the things that, that we did in this Florida example was a lot of what we, I, I call a straw man. If we can do this, can you do that? Uh, so a quid pro quo, if we can do this, can you do that? 
if we can show you this makes financial sense, can you move forward by the end of the year? If we're able to show you that we can do this cheaper than you can by doing it internally, would you be open to outsourcing it? Um, that's the first question is if, if, if. And I love that question, uh, always posing if. If we could do this, can you do that? And you get a customer to say, well, yeah, if you can do it more effectively than I can, if you can show us more skill sets, if you can show cost uh, savings and economies for me, allowing me to free up resources to grow my business, uh, I'd consider it. Okay, well, if you considered it, what would you need to see in order to feel comfortable moving forward? Well, it would need to do this, this, and this. So what you do is you, you go down a track of persuasion. You're, you're, you're turning the super tanker one degree at a time. You know, you're not going to turn a 90 degree turn right away. You're not going to move a customer from, I don't know who you are, uh, to, oh yeah, we better do business. It, it takes 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%. But the way you start is the if, if we can do this, if we can jump through hoops, if we can leap tall buildings in a single bound, would you be open to doing it? Yeah. Okay. Well, what we need to see. So I guess getting back, I hope, <laughs> circling back to the original question, it's in there somewhere. It's in there somewhere. But uh, that, that conversation you have with a customer is part of that qualification process. Do they see value? Do they appreciate? Are they the, the bullseye in that dartboard? And if they're not, if they're saying, look, look, Charlie, I'm getting five quotes. Um, if you want to do it, good. If you don't, don't. Uh, if I can't reach that guy, I don't waste the time. So, so part of the reason this company improved their close rate so much was they flushed out maybe a third of the of the bad prospects. They didn't chase garbage trucks anymore. They they just didn't pursue it. Uh, or, how many times have we seen a customer who demands something that you can't really do? I want seven by twenty four. I need to have Spanish language people on call at all times. I need you to whatever. They, they may make kind of semi-ridiculous requests or something that's not for you. And you flush them out right up front. So by, by weeding out the bad prospects, by doing a better job of understanding customers and then presenting better, boom, boom, boom. Now you've gone from 20% to 60. But to just kind of put a, a, a bow on your original question, what's, what's the industry average? I'd say 20% industry average. And anything above 60, I think is too high. That means you're Again, not venturing out or you're underselling your services. What are the common, this is a two-part question, like what are the common mistakes you see IT providers make during discovery, during fact-finding, and, and what should they be doing? Right. Uh, that's a great question. And, and I think that's where the sales are won and lost or in the trenches of, that's exactly it, Mike, right there. And one of the the red flags of a bad customer is if they don't let you do your due diligence, if they won't let you dig in. I like to um, ask a salesperson, if you're asking questions, and I, I actually believe in a walkthrough too, and I know in, in this pandemic, it's harder to do, but I want to walk around and see things. I want to see what the switch room looks like. I want to see what kind of uh, cabling they have. Um, I want to see, get a sense for the people. Are they walking around quickly? Are they friendly? What's the corporate culture like? And of course, a big thing too is uh, when people are giving you a tour, they're proud of their facility and they're kind of strutting their chest out and they're the big, you know, so you're building a rapport that you can't do. A lot of salespeople have kind of a misunderstanding, Mike, and I think you'd agree with this. They think the purpose of discovery is 
is giving an accurate quote. I'm here to count desktops. I'm here to count servers. I'm here to count remote users. I'm here to count so I can give a quote. That's not true at all. That's, that's a, a tiny piece of it. But the biggest part are those other things. Um, I always like to find something that the customer doesn't know that they don't know. And so, <laughs> you know, so Donald Rumsfeld said about uh, Iraq, you've got, you know what you know, you know what you don't know. But what I'm afraid of is I don't know what I don't know. And quite frankly, customers don't know what they don't know. And so we set it up that way. Say, look, we're here to help you understand what you've got, how it works, where it stands. We're going to give you a full report at the end. Um, we need to do this. If, if, if you can't, if you don't allow us to do this, we, we can't proceed. You're, it's like going to a doctor and saying, hey, doc, I'm in a hurry. Give me some pills. Doctor says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the analysis and the survey. I'm not a pill jockey here. I'm here to, to solve your real problem. And you say, well, look, I'm in a hurry. Just give me, I know what, I know what it is. Just give me some penicillin or give me some. No, uh, if a doctor does that, they're a quack. And, right. And how, how upset, like, think about it on the other side, like how, <laughs> how, like, would you feel about a doctor where you walked in and the first thing right. they said is take these. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Without asking you a question. Yeah. And, and you know, quite frankly, I mean, I, I had a sale one time and, and, you know, this was National Geographic. So this is, this is a telecom sale back in 2001. And I walked in, they had four buildings, 2000 endpoints. And Mike, I knew within five minutes of entering that office what the price was going to be. I knew it. Um, and they would say, Mike, uh, we want voice over IP. Can you give us a quote? I'd love to. But I need to first talk to your facilities manager. And then I'd talk to the facilities manager. I need to talk to your, uh, uh, your implementation team. I need to talk to your art department. I need to talk to your call center. I need to talk to your executive team. I need to talk. I need to talk. I need to. Now, again, I knew within five minutes what the price was going to be. Why did I do it? I didn't do it because I didn't. I was doing it to get the price. I was doing it to find things that the customer didn't know that they didn't know. And the and so we we found out all sorts of information about that account that we could only do by walking around and asking questions of people and simple questions. What do you like about what you've got? What would you, what's one thing you'd improve? If you had a magic wand, what would you do? And then shut up <laughs> and let them tell you. And they pour their guts out. And the key to that sale turned out to be the art department. The art department said, we're all on Macs. Everybody else is on PCs. Nobody loves us. And we're National Geographic. And we've got all these beautiful pictures. And nobody loves, nobody cares. Nobody, whatever we do, we want it to work with the Macintosh. And that was the key to the sale for us. So we compete with maybe five other people. We were the only people that understood the key to that sale was it had to interact with Macintoshes and it had to satisfy the art department. That was the key. Nobody else got it. Everybody else says, okay, you got 2,200 stations, four buildings, here's your price. But we understood why they needed it. And so that's why that digging is not just a getting an accurate count, Mike. It's getting the people relationships and uncovering what they don't know that they don't know. And your tool is perfect for that too, because it forces you to ask those questions. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll add to that, you know, there's an important thing with, with technology and yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is, you know, I started my sales and marketing career by owning a business as well. And it's, it's amazing. The level of, of, it is like getting an MBA when you have to do that. All. <laughs> um, it's a great learning ground. What, 
this is this is like any industry has the same problem. If you just look at the surface information in technology, it's really going in, you know, the technology, they have a lot of tools. They can go in, they can scan networks, they can they can look at they can run reports, they can do a lot of things with automated tools that sometimes can throw off a false positive or a false negative. And if you don't dive in deep and understand the business impact, that technical scan or whatever may not match what you know they need, right? Like, and, and the way I like to look at it is like a doctor, if you and me who are, are closer in age than an 18 year old go to the doctor and we get our, our cholesterol taken and, and we come back with the exact same high cholesterol number, the doctor's going to treat you differently, me differently, and the 18 year old differently based on our age, based on our family history, based on all the information they know that they can't get by doing anything other than asking us and talking to us. And you miss that if you don't, you know, if you don't do your, your homework. But Mike, this has been great. How do we get people to get in touch with you? I've got, I'm going to put up here your LinkedIn so people can follow you on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. There's not a lot of Mike Schmidtmans on LinkedIn. So if you do Mike Schmidtman, I think you got one or two maybe in the whole country. Right. <laughs> what what website should people go to, to, to learn more about what you do? I would do? say MikeSchmidtman.com. And, and quite frankly, uh, you can kind of tell Mike, I, I love talking about this stuff. And so uh, anybody's welcome to give me a holler or a contact and um, uh, no problem just having an initial conversation about what's going on, how does it work? And probably two thirds of the time, again, uh, with the dartboard. I'm, I'm not the right person for them for whatever reason, and I'll refer somebody else. Uh, but I always want what's best for the MSP. I love the community. Um, and I really resonate. Uh, I was a small business person myself, just like you were. And I understand who they are, what they do, the stresses that they have. And I want them to have what they deserve to have. I want them to have a robust uh, account base. I want them to have something to sell at the end. Uh, for all their decades of hard work and to get a nice cash buyout. I want them to have happy customers and I want them to be sold the right way. And if that happens, it's a win-win-win for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, too many MSPs have nothing to sell at the end. Uh, their business is a train wreck. It's kind of run with on the back of napkins and things. And, and, and then predators circle the business and pick it apart for no money. Um, I want them to cash out have robust profits that they deserve for all the hard work and deliver great value to the customers. If they do that, then everybody's happy. That's what we want. Love it. Well, <laughs> on that note, that was great. This was an awesome podcast episode. I'm good. I've got more stuff for you. So you hang out, Mike. I got, I got, okay. I got more plans for you, my friend. You, you can okay. bring it, bring in the heat today. And this was a great episode. Okay. And I do want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast as always. And until next time on the Elevating IT Podcast, keep on elevating IT.